Good morning, and welcome to our series on the impact of culture and how we understand the Bible. And last week, Simon began by looking at cultural disconnects, where we think that the way we do things is the right way to do things, but in fact that between cultures, these things vary. And today, I want to look at a cultural disconnect and that's the disconnect between Christianity and Jewishness, because Christianity is Jewish. The roots of the Christian faith are in the Jewish faith. And when Jesus was walking on the earth and he spoke about Father God, he was speaking of the God of the Old Testament, Adonai, Elohim, Hashem. And Jesus himself is the anointed one, of the Jewish faith. And in the early church, the New Testament of the New Testament, Jesus, the Jewish culture was very much a part of their uh, getting together and their community, an integral part of the way that they worship God. But as generations passed and more and more non-Jewish people joined the faith, there became a disconnect between Jewishness and Christianity to the extent that in the second century, the church decided that it would move the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the day that God ordained to be holy, from a Saturday to a Sunday. And this was all to separate Jewishness from Christianity. But we need to reclaim an understanding of the Jewish faith and culture in the Bible if we are to truly appreciate everything that Jesus has done for us. But before I start, I want to give you an example of a cultural disconnect in my life. So I have a friend who's Japanese and, uh, and she's lived in, in Sydney for a number of years. She speaks English very well. We both needed to go to the doctor, so we decided to go together. We walked into the waiting room and there were already people sitting there waiting. And just as we came in, one of the doctors came out of the room and he said to us, hi, how are you? Now, I know in this setting that he's not really asking me to tell him how I am, because clearly I'm sick and I've come for a doctor. It's just a politeness. And the appropriate response is to say, uh, well, thanks, and sit down. But my friend didn't understand this cultural custom. And so she began to tell him in some detail what was wrong with her which was very embarrassing to everyone sitting in the waiting room and particularly to my friend when she understood her misunderstanding. And it just shows that there are very subtle expectations that we have in the way we behave. And we think that these ways are right, but they vary between cultures. And another example in Australia, is the difference between indigenous cultures and Anglo or European cultures to do with making eye contact. So in indigenous cultures, avoiding eye contact is seen as, an, as a mark of respect. If you respect someone, you don't make direct eye contact with them. But in Anglo or European cultures, making eye contact is seen as showing that you are trustworthy. And if you don't make eye contact, then you're seen as being 
as if you're hiding something and you're not being truthful. And this, this difference between Indigenous and European cultures has caused incredible problems between the understanding of our two, of our two main people in, the, in Australia. And we live in a multicultural society today and culture has taken on a bit of a cult status in that we use it as part of our identity and that tends to separate us into groups. But faith in Jesus is not defined or expressed by culture. Anyone of any culture is welcome in the kingdom of God and Jesus does not discriminate on the basis of our cultural background. But it is true that, that our lack of knowledge of culture in the Bible impacts how we understand God's word. And sometimes it means we misunderstand or misinterpret what God is saying to us. Because we come with our own cultural bias and we impose that on the word of God. So today, I want to look at the basis of all culture in the Bible, which is, namely, the history of the Jewish people and how God interacted with the Jewish people over many, many centuries. Every time that Jesus quoted from the Bible or made a reference to an event, he was speaking of the Old Testament. And he referred to it many, many times. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, Chronicles, Daniel, Jonah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Micah, Malachi and the Psalms. And if you want, I can give you those references. And the same is true for all the writers of the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Peter, Jude and the writer of Hebrews, they all referenced the Old Testament because that was their scripture. When they were writing the Gospels or the letters to the young church, the Old Testament was the scripture. The Old Testament was what testified to Jesus as the Messiah. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you are helping a family who have just come to Australia from a foreign country and they want you to tell them what, what are some important things in the history of Australia that make Australia, Australia, the good and the bad. What would you tell them about our shared history? Where would you begin? Would you begin with the indigenous cultures? Or would you start with the traditional approach that Captain Cook uh, discovered the east coast of Australia? Would you tell them about the first fleet, the displacement of Aboriginal peoples, convicts, first settlers, Anzac Day, Gallipoli, the Kokoda Trail, the role of the Queen, Australia Day, Invasion Day? Would you talk about the native animals and birds, Great Barrier Reef, sharks, beaches, or sport, winning gold medals, barbecues, meat pies, beer. What makes Australia, Australia? And when I say these things and these places, they're a link to all of us, to our shared history. 
If I were to mention Port Arthur or Gallipoli, you would immediately relate to the tragedies that happened there. And you may not have been part of those tragedies and you probably weren't even born when, when they happened, but they're, they're an unconscious part of our culture, our history. So I want you now to imagine that we are the foreigners and we are going to be introduced into the Jewish faith and culture in the Old Testament to look at the things that we need to know as Christians. And I want to begin in Genesis because it's the first book in the Bible. Because from the beginning of time, God wanted to have a relationship with people, with us. And he would walk in the cool of the evening with Eve and Adam. And they were given freedom to live in a beautiful garden and they could eat from any tree in that garden except for one. But they disobeyed God. They thought they knew better than God. They didn't trust what he said, and they ate from that tree. And the result was that they could no longer live in that perfect way anymore. They had let sin enter their heart. They had broken that fellowship with God. And God, in his, in his mercy, he made clothes for them from animal skins. It is the first shedding of blood on our behalf. And he sent them away from the garden so that they would not be able to eat from the tree of life and live forever in that sinful state. It was a protection. Because God wanted to restore them to that beautiful, intimate relationship with him. And he gave them a promise in, three, in Genesis 3.15. It's the first time that, that God refers to the Messiah to Jesus, the Saviour, the one who would restore our relationship with him. And this is where Jewish history begins. It is the history of God rescuing and restoring his people. And there are some key events and people in the Old Testament that we need to be aware of. And I'm just going to run through a few. It's not a comprehensive list, but it'll do for today. Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, Moses, who led the people from slavery in ancient Egypt to freedom, the parting of the Red Sea and then later the Jordan River, holding the waters back so that the people could cross safely, Joshua, who led the people into the Promised Land, Deborah, who served as a leader before the time of the kings, Ruth, who shows us that faith in God allows us to come into the family of God, even if we're not Jewish. Elijah, a prophet who encouraged the people to be faithful to God with incredible and mighty works. King David, who established the great kingdom of Israel. King Solomon, who made that kingdom a worldwide power at the time. The eventual split of that kingdom into the north and the south and the north rebelled first. They were overtaken by the Assyrians. They intermarried to such an extent that they became known as Samaritans rather than Jews. The southern kingdom that also rebelled and resulted in them being taken into exile into Babylon with the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, all of these events are part of the assumed knowledge of the New Testament because all of the writers of the New Testament had this as their background. 
to Jesus, to who Jesus was. So I want to give you three examples from the New Testament of where it's just assumed that we understand the, the Jewish history and culture in the Bible. And the first one is this phrase, the Lamb of God. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 22, where John the Baptist is baptising people in the Jordan River. He sees Jesus walk by one day and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now maybe we understand the idea that he takes away the sin of the world, but what does it really mean to us to call Jesus the Lamb of God? I mean, we know what a lamb is. We know it's a very innocent-looking animal. It's very cute, and we certainly eat a lot of lamb in Australia. And there are some people in the world who have never seen a lamb. Translators in um, some remote tribes in Papua New Guinea had trouble with this line because there wasn't even a word for lamb in their language. But when, when we read that, the Lamb of God, I think to most of it, it just seems like some biblical mumbo-jumbo. It doesn't really mean anything to us. But to a Jewish person, it is hugely significant because it connects directly to a time when God delivered their people from slavery. It was more than 3,000 years ago in ancient Egypt when the people of God were slaves, they were oppressed, mistreated. God called a man, Moses, to lead God's people out of Egypt into freedom. And the leader of Egypt at the time, Pharaoh, he would say, yes, you can go, and then he'd change his mind. So God told Moses that on a certain night, every Jewish household was to slaughter a lamb, and they were to eat it that night, and to take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorpost. God was sending an angel of death across Egypt. But wherever that angel came to that doorpost with the blood of the lamb on it, he passed over that house. And this is called the Passover because the Jewish people were saved by the blood of the lamb. And every year since then, Jewish people remember the Passover. So this is an amazing historical event that happened to the Jewish nation. And it is looking forward to a picture of Jesus. Because this is the sacrifice that Jesus would make for us. He died in our place. He shed his blood for us. And because of his blood, God passes over our judgment. Jesus says in John 8, 28, Unless you believe that I am, I am who I claim to be, the Saviour, you will die in your sins. And in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So when, when John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God, he was telling the people around him and us today that Jesus would die for our sins. And because of his blood, that we would not be judged by God. He would pass over us. And it is that continuity of God's grace, love and mercy from Genesis right through to Jesus' death on the cross 
that, that speaks in those words, the Lamb of God. Now the second one I want to look at is ancestry. And there's a lot of interest in tracing ancestry today. We want to know, did you come from convicts or first settlers or have you got Aboriginal heritage? And we can trace our ancestors to find where they lived. If you're Jewish, your ancestry is also important, tracing back to the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. And in Matthew 1, which is the first book in the New Testament, and the very first verses in the New Testament, this is how it reads. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram. Now, I'm sure I've already lost you. You're starting to go to sleep. And there's another 50 names in that list there. And this is our first introduction to the New Testament. And I think it's a passage that we simply gloss over. Because those names don't mean anything to us. But the ancestry in Matthew shows that Jesus is descended from King David and from the line of Judah the royal line, and a Jewish person would be aware of that. And then in Luke 3, there's another list of names, and this one traces Mary's, Mary's heritage. And this one has 70 names, and I'm sure when we get to this passage, we just gloss over it as well. But the line of Mary traces back to the tribe of Levi, and this tribe, they were the priests. They were the ones who ministered in the temple. They were the ones who were the connection between the people and God. And so Jesus is from a priestly line. So these two ancestral uh, lineages, they show us that Jesus is king and that he is the priest. He is now our connection to God. We don't need a priest like they did in the Old Testament because we have Jesus. And we miss the significance of these genealogies because we're not Jewish. We don't connect to the history of the tribes of Israel. And the last one I want to give you today is the woman at the well. And this is in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And there's a very moving encounter between a Samaritan woman and Jesus. And it begins like this, John 4, 4 to 8. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some food. So Jesus is by himself, and a woman comes to the well to draw water. That makes sense to us. Nothing unusual in that. That's where the water is. It's at the well. You come to draw it. 
except that in the culture of the day, the women came as a group. Because it was safer to come as a group, it meant that they could help each other draw the water, and it was also a chance to catch up on all the news. And they would come early in the morning. They would not come in the heat of the day. So this woman coming by herself in the heat of the day shows us that she was an outcast in the village. She had to come by herself to avoid the other women. And that would be obvious to anyone who is familiar with the culture of that day, but not to us. And yet Jesus spoke to her. And this is another cultural convention that he did not follow. In those days, a man would not speak to a woman in public. But Jesus broke through that cultural taboo. He spoke to a Samaritan. He spoke to a woman. He spoke to an outcast. And he told her plainly that he was the Messiah. And she was so changed by this meeting with Jesus that she ran back to the town that had rejected her and she evangelised them. And many people in the town believed in Jesus because of her testimony. And that's an incredible story in itself, particularly when we understand those cultural differences of the day. But there's also a, a backdrop to this place that we don't appreciate because we, we don't have that connection with Jewish history. To us, this is just a well in dry land. But this particular well is connected to many events. Abraham, after he left home, he first came to this well. And this is where God appeared to him, blessing him, and where Abraham built an altar. It's also where Jacob, Abraham's grandson, built an altar to God. It's where Jacob gave his son Joseph some land. It's where Joseph is buried. And it's where Joshua, who led the people into the promised land, it's where the people recommitted their lives to God. So this is a place, this is a place of promise, it's a place of worship, it's a place of commitment to God, and this is the place where Jesus stopped. If the places in the Bible were familiar to us, we would immediately recognise the additional significance of this well. Imagine if Jesus were doing miracles at Port Arthur or Gallipoli. We would immediately see the significance of Jesus being in that place. So to a Jewish person reading this story, the Samaritan woman at the well, the significance of the place being Jacob's well adds to the gravity and the importance of this encounter. So to finish, Christianity is Jewish. Our faith has its roots in God's dealings with the Jewish people in the, in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. So next time you are reading a passage and there's a place name or a person's name that you don't know, take some time to look up the significance because there might be some added extra beauty in those words. Our culture and our upbringing makes us blind to those details that are very important to understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for us. God can speak through any culture. He can cut through anything and it doesn't matter to him that we don't know these things. 
But I invite you to be aware that our culture is not the same as the culture in the Bible. And I invite you to discover the layers of beauty that are within each word in the Bible. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that every word in the Bible is precious. It is placed there to draw us into an understanding of who you are, your unending love, your compassion for us, and your desire for us to live in perfect freedom with you. Give us a desire, Lord God, to read your word, to treasure it, and to take it into our lives, to follow with all our being, Lord God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.